So I'm applying for a postdoctoral fellowship at the University of Iceland. Oh, fancy. I know. And you'd be so worldly. I would be, yeah. I would be just a cosmopolitan. Yeah, you'd be one of those global... <laughs> I don't know. You'd be global. I'd just be <laughs> global. Um, I can totally see you making it over there. Yeah, it's a two-year... You're pale. It, <laughs> I'm Danish. I mean, those are related yeah, people groups. Yeah, you're pale with blue eyes. On the application, they list, or they ask, like, how much Icelandic do you know? And I said, none. And they're like, how much Danish do you know? And I was like, also none. <laughs> um, but this position, like, it's at the University of Iceland, but it's not a teaching position. It's all research. And, like... Would you have to research in Icelandish? I don't know. No, I don't think so. Because it's all about medieval lit. And so I think it would just be the languages I already know. Okay. And I'm just communicating with other researchers about this. Okay. Why do I need to be in Iceland to do it? Unclear, but perk. Yeah, I would think that qualifies as a perk. Yeah. Um, what would this mean for your life? You would move to Iceland. I, I would move to Reykjavik for two <laughs> years, yeah. I mean, at least you can pronounce it. Yeah, I've always that's struggled true. with that. So good job. It's hard to spell. It is. I don't remember how to spell it. There's a Y and a J. Yes, and a couple of Ks. Yeah. It's like, oh, I don't. we don't need to spell it. <laughs> um, but then, like, obviously I've read about the, like, climate... Of Iceland because we only ever talk about weather. Right. We're a weather podcast. And like, what if I'm just imagining like us Skyping an episode from the front <laughs> porch and I'm just like, the weather in Iceland is the same as it always is. I'll just be furious at you <laughs> because it will be so like perfectly chilly and right. I'll be sweating to death. No, the, the wonderful thing about the climate of Reykjavik is apparently that it's never warmer than 55, but never colder than 25. And so just like... January in Tallahassee all year round. That's nice. I think so. I think where I would have you beat and what I could rub your face in mm -hmm. is that the sun would set and yeah. rise at normal yeah. increments. Because there are definite month-long months long stretches where the sun doesn't come out. I don't know how people deal with that. The only either. mental picture I have is Sandra Bullock in The Proposal. Oh, she's in yeah. Alaska. Uh -huh. That's the only <laughs> point of reference I have for having to deal with the sun either all the time and or then you just need time. Betty White doing like some kind of war chant yeah oh, love Betty White doing uh, war we chant. all love Betty White um so wait genuine question mm -hmm. if it's dark mm -hmm. do you just keep functioning as normal but it's dark I think so do you wear headlamps <laughs> I don't know listeners <laughs> if you know anything about Reykjavik or if you are an Alaskan listener please let us know what do you do <laughs> In those months when the sun doesn't come out. Like, genuinely. Or is it like... How do you get anything done? Because I don't think it's like perpetual nighttime. I think it's like perpetual twilight. Dusk. Yeah. Yeah. Like, in some places. I know it is nighttime in other places, but like, I don't know. I just feel like I'd be sleepy a lot. Yeah. And look, you are sleepy a lot. I was so. going to say, I'm sleepy all the time anyway. <laughs> so maybe this is a good fit. Oh uh, Yeah, it'll be great. Episode 212 of From the Front Porch, a collection of conversations on books, small business, and life in the South. 
My name is Chris Jensen, and I am the Land of the Midnight Sun. And I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia. So, announcement. Wait, first I want to do something. Yeah. What up, 212? Oh my goodness. <laughs> this episode is... No. <laughs> okay. <sighs> my announcement is, thank you guys for listening to Backlist Book Club. Volume 1. Volume 1. Um, we loved talking about if Beale Street could talk and we loved sharing that conversation with you. Our goal for Backlist Book Club is to make it a little bit more interactive. So our next Backlist selection is Mary Carr's The Liars Club. So we will be recording that episode early April, I want to say. I think it's going to run early April. I think it runs April 9th. So you've got about a month to read Mary Carr's memoir, The Liars Club. April which, 11th, excuse me. Okay, which we're excited about because it's like a classic of the genre, but none of us have read it. Yeah. Um, so we're really excited. Thank you for listening to our episode about If Beale Street Could Talk and for giving us grace in that conversation. Um, that is a book that I truly love, and I hope it inspired you to go back and read it and try it for yourself or to have a book club conversation around it. Yeah. yeah that's what we're trying to do. Um, yeah, I listened to it, obviously, when I was editing it, and I thought you guys did a great job. Um, and I like the new format a lot. I stole it from great books. <laughs> I, just, I noticed. I, I just, well, I thought I could lead this discussion, mm-hmm. which is what I do. I mean, I, I teased Kelsey last week because I had three book clubs I hosted mm-hmm. here last week. Great. Um, and I could, you know, prep questions, and I'm happy to do that. But I think what sometimes might work better is the format we used in yeah. great books where you come prepared with two mm-hmm. questions from the text. I really had a question about voice and chapter. Like, yeah. there were no chapters in this book, and it, that lends itself to its intensity. So, anyway, I like the format, too. I'm glad you did. Yeah, super great. So, this week... This week on From the Front Port. Do you remember those, like, WB? Oh, yeah. Like... We're like last time yes. on One Tree Hill yeah. or whatever. Yeah, I've and never seen Carlton that show. Is playing in the background. <laughs> Good times. Um, yeah. So this week we are doing our monthly reading recap. Yep. It's the end of February, folks. Do you um, want us to talk again about this how one, months just... This one always flies by <laughs> because it's two to three days shorter than the others. Yeah, it flies by. It's my birth month, uh-huh. my birthday month. Um, so I love celebrating kind of all during the month of February. And Lent doesn't start till March. Mm. And so, like, I really did get to, like, live it up. Yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> meaning I did things, like, I think I might be giving up shopping or I might be giving up Coke mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. I did not do that for the month of February. My husband bought me a delicious birthday cake that I ate all week long. Good. So good. But February is short, which yeah. means all of a sudden, it's Christmas, and then you blink, and it's March. Mm-hmm. Like, there is something about January and February. I know January felt an eternity long. For sure. It did. I understand that. Fe- but February was so fast. But February was so fast. I don't know. I'm just... I And we say this all the time. I really do struggle with time. Yeah. I'm just really struggling. I don't think it's real. <laughs> Maybe it's not. It's a construct. Yeah, I mean, it is a construct, but I don't know. It's also just our experience of the world. It's it's a quick month, and so I read a few things. I also want to talk a little bit about why I only read a few things, but we'll get to that. And I think that's good. And so let's start off. I know this first book, The Nickel Boys, is the new forthcoming novel from Colson Whitehead, author of Underground Railroad. Yes. It's so good. Yeah. And I 
know that nobody listens to these podcasts, so we can just say, oh, it's so good right. over and over again. So let me try <laughs> to explain. I adored Underground Railroad mm-hmm. when it came out. Um, I saw that he had a new book coming out and, of course, was int- intrigued and interested. Right. But then I realized the book is a fictional story mm-hmm. set um, set on the campus of the Nichols School for Boys, which is a fiction version of the Dozier School for Boys, mm-hmm. which is in Mariana, Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, very near Tallahassee. Very close to Tallahassee. So I, especially in, like right during those post-college years, the Dozier School finally came under mm-hmm. some intense scrutiny and some journalists kind of broke the story. And I remember vividly following those stories. Like when yeah. I worked. I think it was 2010. Yeah, when I worked at the Florida Bar and Florida Healthy Kids, when I had low or slow moments in at my job, I would read long form journalist mm-hmm. pieces because that, I yeah. wanted to write feature stories and that's how you become better at that. Anyway. If you have, so I do have a little bit of homework for listeners and I can send you the link so you can put them in the show notes, yeah, but please. please read the, the real stories about the Dozier school. Um, they are written by Pulitzer winning journalists and, and I think we need to read the real story. They're horrifying. They're hor- They're horrifying. Um, but what the Dozier School was a true travesty and an injustice. And what Colson Whitehead has done is he has formulated this really obviously well-written human such a human like a human story taking kind of two students or two kids from those from that school and kind of building worlds around them um the characters are fictional but the setting is very real he has clearly done his research i could picture like he names streets in tallahassee where Mm. i was like yep no right where that is um so read the real this book doesn't come out until july right so read the dozier school school for boys journalistic pieces and then get ready because this book is outstanding yeah this is going to be on a lot of award season lists i think so and i i firmly believe he is deserving of that i think we see a lot particularly um in our world and like book selling Uh world and then perhaps too on bookstagram like some books we often feel like get overhyped yeah well, some books are worth the hype mm-hmm. and are deserving of the hype. And I have a feeling the Nickel Boys is going to be one of those. Um, it was just such a well-told story. And yes, it is filled with horrific details. But first of all, those details are based in reality and truth. And so they're necessary. Right. Um, and and yet these also are just, it's just a really well-done story about these two young men. Mm-hmm. Um it is, I can't even describe to you the way he ends the book. I finished, and I really did. I was sitting alone in my office because I only had like 30 pages left. And I was like, I'm going to finish this before I go home today. And what he does with the ending of this book mm-hmm. is genius. Like mm-hmm. truly, I don't, I told Jordan, I don't know how we get to breathe the same air as this person. Like he's so talented. But you know that it's his ninth book? Yes. Yes, which... I didn't know that till last night because Kelsey started reading this oh, okay, and good. could not put it down yes. and didn't want to go to bed. Yeah. Um, and so, like, the, I, yeah, it, yeah, it looks amazing. And it, I will say, I, so I also read it very quickly. Like, I think I read it in the span of a few days or a week. Um, but, like, I read it, and I think I got to chapter four, and I put it down. I was, like, right before bed, and I looked at Jordan, and I was like, this is going to be hard. Like, because it's about injustice. Right. And you have to remind yourself that this really happened. Right. This isn't totally fiction. And in our backyard. Yes. And so I think that makes it doubly hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is... 
it's outstanding and I just can't wait to share it with people. Yeah. Um, but I love that it's his ninth book because it reminds me of like the Lin-Manuel phenomenon mm-hmm. where we just thought he came out of nowhere and that's not true at all. No, he, not at all. <laughs> like he was already a Tony winner when Hamilton, yes. Hamilton came and out. And he had already done a lot of the work. I think we in America really love like the shot to stardom. Mm-hmm. Like, when it's not real. But it's not real. Yeah. It's a lot of time and effort and hard work. Have you guys not seen A Star is Born? Because <laughs> I still haven't. But I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what that's about. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> The Nickel Boys, outstanding. Please put it on your like new release radar. Um, the next one is the new Taylor Jenkins read, right? Yes. Yeah, talk it. about a departure. Yeah, right? Um, Daisy Jones and the Six. Okay, this comes out March 6th, I believe, or March 5th, whatever the Tuesday is. And this is one of those that I know is going to get hyped and people are going to be like, ugh, and I'm going to, like, unpopular opinion, I do not love the cover. I think the cover is outstanding. Okay, I that's why I say unpopular mm-hmm. opinion. Here's why. I think men are not going to pick up this book because of that cover. And it is a book that men and women... Look, I was blown away. I had normal expectations. I like Taylor Jenkins Reid. Mm-hmm. Um I got ready to pick this one up and then realized it was a fictional oral history. And I was like, huh, I don't know how I feel about this. Well, I'll tell you how I feel about it. It's amazing. <laughs> like, like I really did go into it thinking, we'll see if this works. Now, I love a good oral history. I will read them on the internet all day long. Mm-hmm. Um, I also read the SNL oral history. Mm-hmm. Like, I love that format. But this is fictional. Right. This is not a real band. Right. If you finish the book thinking, where can I find this music? These are real people. Like, I need to do the Wikipedia deep dive. (laughs) And then those things don't exist. Right. Um, I did hear that, I want to say Amazon and Reese Witherspoon have already purchased the rights for a TV show based on this. Like a mini series. Mm -hmm. It totally makes sense. This will lend itself. Like a behind the music kind of thing? Yes. Mm. This will lend itself so well to visual, to a visual representation. Cool. But if you are thinking, uh weird or I don't care for 70s rock music why would I care for this or oral history that's strange look I had all of these thoughts it doesn't matter this book is so good and I read it after the nickel boys right. meaning it was set up for failure yeah <laughs> like, but it's just so different it's so different and I was just blown away by the originality of it and what Taylor Jenkins Reid does well in all of her books but I think what she is going to get a lot of recognition for for this one like I think this might be the book that kind of solidifies her Good. reputation um, but it's it's a well written story every woman represented in this in this oral history is so uniquely crafted and well nuanced like I think sometimes authors have a tendency to make um, women all kind of have the same issues or, and maybe the, the same can be said for male characters. I'm not quite as sure mm-hmm. about that, but like yeah. <laughs> she, she does a really good job of making these characters come to life in a way that I find fascinating since you're only getting snippets of them. Right. You're only getting little interview bits from right. them. And yet I wound, I finished the book. Like there is one character out of uh, seven or eight that I felt like, uh, he was a little less than nuanced, and I didn't care. Everybody else was so well-crafted that I just was blown away. So if you have had hesitations because this feels weird or maybe outside your genre, look, speaking of A Star is Born, this fills that mm-hmm. void for sure. Um, but if you liked Almost Famous, mm-hmm. like I get serious Almost Famous vibes from this. I love that movie. I do too. Um, but it's also just... 
I can't get over, I guess, comparing and contrasting with the Nickel Boys, like the ability of these authors in unique ways to tell these stories yeah. so well. Um, and so Taylor Jenkins Reid is doing something really original, and I think it pays off. And I cannot wait for this to come out. It's so good. And this comes out next week, right? Yeah, yeah that's cool. Right. Um, what about this next one? Tomorrow There Will Be Sun. Okay, so I liked this book. Um, it comes out the same day as Daisy Jones. Okay, so, so next week. Yep, so I have a feeling it might get a little overshadowed. But if you liked Big Little Lies, not the book, the show, meaning you liked those kind of wealthy California mm-hmm these beautiful homes Mm -hmm. like if that vibe is for you then tomorrow there will be sun is for you it's about a family who goes on this kind of vacation like it's um the husband's 50th birthday or something and so they go with their best friends so there's two families at this magnificent resort in mexico Mm -hmm. like not even resort it's like an airbnb with staff so like there are people making their dinners and it's just kind of absurd Mm -hmm. um the, the opulence of it um, but you're kind of sucked in by the opulence, much like, I mean, one of the things about Big Little Lies, the show, was the homes. Yeah, like, you couldn't kind of get absolutely. over it. Um, so it, there is that, but then there's underlying tensions of what happens when two families vacation together. And some, Oof. yes, some of the dysfunctions that arise. So dysfunctional family story. Also, sometimes vacations don't turn out like we think they're going to turn out. Has anyone in the world ever had a relaxing vacation? <laughs> Because maybe it's just who I am as a person, <laughs> but I don't understand it. Look, I love vacation. We can talk about this more in next week's episode. I love a good vacation, but my vacations look very different from mm-hmm. lounging by a, an mm-hmm. infinity pool. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, But there are tensions that come to light and also real life vacation disasters mm-hmm. that make this book very compelling. Like mm-hmm. I think I read it in two sittings. Um Perhaps not groundbreaking literature, but utterly enjoyable mm. literature. And some some of the themes kind of give it more heft. So like, yes, you've got this opulent vacation home. And yes, you've got the quirky dysfunctional family. But then there are some underlying tensions that bring weight to the story. Gotcha. So I really liked it. If you liked Do Not Become Alarmed, mm-hmm. then I think... or or the TV version of Big Little Lies, then I think this one is going to be for you. Sounds great. The next one we don't have to talk about at length because it was the subject of last week's episode, but If Beale Street Could Talk. Yes. My only addition to our conversation we already had about this book is If Beale Street Could Talk is a great example of the payoff that comes when you finally read a classic that you know you should have read, but you Mm -hmm. haven't. And sometimes I think that payoff is small, Mm -hmm. if at all. Right. And then sometimes it pays off really big. And this is one of those situations where I'm like, can't believe I never read this. Right. So glad I read this. And it's one of those things that's like, when we talk about classics, and I know we've discussed this at length before, but like, what do we mean when we say classics? Because like, a Dickens novel... Right. is different from a James Baldwin novel. Yes. And the Baldwin novel just came out in 1970. Yes. 71, something like 70s. that. 70s. Um, um, like early 70s. Yeah. Um, so like, yeah, it's a classic yeah. in that it's by this like major American author, but it's not like reading a 19th century Bildungsroman or something. Yeah. At the same time, I will acknowledge that you have to, and I had to do this, I had to retrain my brain a little sure. bit. Because I have not read literature like this in a while Mm -hmm. i'm reading mostly i mean as everybody knows i'm reading mostly contemporary contemporary fiction um and so it took my brain a minute 
and I mentioned this on the episode, like no chapter mm-hmm. breaks. Um, but not only no chapter breaks, it's a different flow of language. Right. Um, it's, and not bad, just different from what my brain is accustomed to. Right. And so it took me a few pages and then once I was in, I was in. Um, and I think classic, we should do an episode, maybe we already have, about classic literature. Because I also think, like I had a friend who just finished Station Eleven. To mm-hmm. me, that's a modern classic. Um, but but I think the themes it's grappling with often make it a classic. Yeah. And then also, yeah, I think I also mean, that's an older book. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's an old book that I miss. It's one of those things, I think we've talked about this too, that like, just as a species, we are really bad at reckoning with like different variations of the past. Yes. Um, and that it's hard for us to, to differentiate something between something that happened 50 years ago and 200 years yeah. ago. I'm like, oh, all the same. The, the, like, George Washington and Abraham Lincoln were generations apart. Yes. Um, like, a hundred years apart, but we think of them both as, like, a long time ago. Yeah. Um, and I, I we you for know, sure do the same thing. We, we definitely do I that know with I books. Do. I I definitely do. So, anyway, if you have... If you have one of those like 2019 reading challenges and one of them is to read a classic, definitely try Baldwin. I think, yeah, I think this would be an excellent fit. And it's really, at the same time, compulsively readable. Mm-hmm. Like you want to know what happens to these people. And, and then you can go back and listen to our episode and kind of participate in yeah. that conversation. And Baldwin is one of the greatest American writers for a reason. Yes. Um, because he's, and I had never read him. Because he's a great writer. I had never read him. And so this was You a, had to read Giovanni's Room now. This was a good education for me. Good. Um, the next one is Waiting for Tom Hanks. Guys, I read, I'm just realizing, I read some real good books this month. Good. Um, look, I saw this book in the publisher catalog mm-hmm. for summer. And I emailed my rep and I was like, please send me an arc <laughs> of Waiting for Tom Hanks just as soon as you can. During literary matchmaking, like that Valentine's event we did for kind of long distance customers, uh-huh. I a couple of folks really wanted some rom-com recommendations. And I recommended this book without having read it. And I was honest about that. I was like, look, just as an FYI, this book is coming out. It looks really cute. I don't know anything about it, except it's called Waiting for Tom Hanks. And what more do you need to know? <laughs> um, okay. I think the day after literary matchmaking, I got Waiting for Tom Hanks. Chris. This book. And I just can't even wipe this dumb grin off my face. Because I know, I know that this is not the same thing as if Beale Street could talk. And I want everybody to know that. Okay. <laughs> um, but if you just need, and sometimes we do, yeah. just need an enjoy. That's, there's a reason rom-coms hold their popularity. It's because we're tired. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, we just need something warm and fuzzy and cozy. And at the same time, smart. And right. this is what I was telling Jordan. I would love to like tell everyone my like top 100 lists of rom-coms because there are some that I don't think are as good. Mm-hmm. And the reason... So I'm going to just give a quick example. Yeah. I love Set It Up. I know not everybody does. Jordan just watched with me... I'm going to forget the name of it again. It stars Adam Devine. It's on Netflix. No, oh, I hate Adam Devine. He's... he's why does he... Why, why? I just have a lot of questions. He's very popular right and now. And I don't understand why he everything in, he does annoys me. Um, isn't it romantic? Okay. So, we just watched... It's this movie with, like that takes place in a photo booth. Um, when We First Met. That's what it's called. It's cute. I watched it and thought it was fine. I watched Set It Up and proceeded to watch Set It Up, I don't know, a, a dozen times? times? Yeah. Okay. Jordan was like, I think When We First Met is maybe better then set it up. Here's why he thinks that. Mm-hmm. It's because there's an underlying theme. Mm-hmm. 
message. There's a message. Mm -hmm. I don't need a message in my rom-com. There's a message in this book about who is good for us and Mm. who we fall in love with. I understand Jordan Jones needing a message out of his rom-com is so on brand for Jordan Jones. I don't need that. You know what I need? Witty banter. Mm. That's all I need. And you have me hooked. So there are, there's a long list of rom-coms that I actually don't enjoy because I feel like they're not fast enough. Mm. I feel like they're not quippy enough. Waiting for Tom Hanks is a tribute to Nora Ephron. Like there are countless Nora Ephron references in here. Many, many references to Tom Hanks. You could play like a drinking game with how many times (laughs) Tom Hanks is mentioned. But also just a lovely tribute to the genre. So it's about this young woman who has been essentially waiting for Tom Hanks. She grew up watching rom-coms with her mom. Mm -hmm. Her mom has died. Mm -hmm. It's like, so it's a deeper appreciation than even somebody like me. Like she has deep emotional connections Mm -hmm. to romantic comedies. Um, And her mom basically told her as they were watching these films, never settle for less than this. Mm. You deserve this. You deserve this kind of love. Which is a really lovely message. Yeah, for sure. But has put a lot of pressure then on her love life. Yes. And on unrealistic expectations mm-hmm. of, of, in her case, men. And so she she is waiting for her Tom Hanks, hence the title of the book. There is a delightful best friend. Like, it's got all those rom-com tropes that you want. Like, mm-hmm. I, I know they're tropes, but I want them. Yeah. So it's this friend, and even her friend's love story is really cute and compelling. Um this she lives in ohio i think it's in columbus um which if you live in columbus this is a lovely tribute to your town um but she is she realizes a movie is being filmed in her town it's a romantic comedy Mm. the lead is very attractive Mm. and her best friend is like you have to work on this movie set okay yes (laughs) that's a great setup look it's delightful and the whole time i thought Please, Reese Witherspoon, do your freaking job (laughs) and turn this into a movie. Do it. I need it to be a film. It's so cute. And yes, it's got cliches. It's supposed to. It's a Uh rom-com. Anyway, it's delightful. I loved it. Worth the hype. Comes out in paperback in June. Um, Just stay tuned because it will be like the beach bag book. It'll be the book that you want to take on vacation. You'll finish it so fast. That's great. It's lovely. Um, and then the final one, which I think you are still reading, yes, um, is called Dope Sick. Yes, this is very different. Yeah, it from... sounds like it. Here's the thing. I read five books this month, which yeah. is fine. That's nothing to see Absolutely. But there's a reason I haven't read more, and this is something I struggle with. I wanted to read Dope Sick. Mm-hmm. It's uh, by Beth Macy. It's about the opioid crisis. Okay. Um, I like supplementing my fiction reading with journalistic nonfiction. Yeah. So a few years ago, I read Ghetto Side by Jill... Um, oh gosh, it's not Jill Lavoie, I don't think. Anyway, Ghetto Side. I really appreciated that mm-hmm. book. I approached Dope Sick in the same tone. Here's the thing. I read at nighttime before bed, mostly. Mm-hmm. Like when I'm very busy, and weirdly February was very busy, so my only time to read was at night before bed. Mm-hmm. Dope Sick is not great night before red yeah. bed reading. Yeah. Not because it's not compelling, but because it's very detailed about the pharmaceutical industry. And so I'm trying to capture in my brain all of these details before drifting off to sleep. Mm-hmm. So you can do that with Waiting for Tom Hanks or Tomorrow There Will Be Sun. You can even do that with Daisy Jones and the Six. You cannot do that with Dope Sick. So I'm, I'm reading this, you know, really intense look at the opioid crisis like three pages at a time. 
Mm. I will never finish this book at this rate. Um, So I have decided I need to try to read this during the day. And buckle down. Yes. Because that's the only way I can read it. And then in the evenings, go back to reading fiction. And this is what I used to do in my old reading life is I would have like a nonfiction that I was working on kind Mm -hmm. of all the time. And then a fiction one that I was reading... So, like, I was going through, like, three fiction books to one nonfiction book or Mm. whatever. And I think I need to try that again because by reading this before bed every night, I'm not reading other things Mm -hmm. and I'm never finishing this. Yeah. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. Um, That being said, if you've put off reading Dope Sick, I think the audiobook might be a really good uh, listen. Yeah. Sometimes I think audiobooks... I like nonfiction audiobooks a lot. Yes. Because it feels like a very long podcast. That's right. That's exactly (laughs) right. Um, So I think that might be worth a shot. Um, But I will say, I just wanted like an in-depth look at the opioid crisis. I feel like I hear about it Mm -hmm. in snippets on the daily Mm -hmm. or on other news podcasts I listen to. But I wanted like an in-depth look. This is for sure that. I just need to be able to dedicate the time to it Mm -hmm. to... To sit down and read it. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I don't know that I will finish it before this month is out, but my goal is to finish it in March. That's great. I read a lot of comics. Yes. Um, and this is typically what I do in the evening, mm-hmm. right? Um, because it is something very short. I think of it kind of like a chapter in a yes. book. But like, I can read 24 pages of this wonderful comic and then I'm done and yes. then I can go to bed, right? Yes. Which is um, lovely, that sense of completion. It is. And I don't normally talk about those things on the podcast because it would just be too much to keep track of and right. it's hard to like even talk about. Like I read issues twenty four through twenty eight <laughs> of this series by this author and this artist, but I do need to talk about this one okay. series that I read. Because I think Saturday morning I was working on my dissertation and decided to just take a break. And I decided to read this series that I've had for since it came out last year and had not picked up. And it was five issues long, and I thought, you know, let me just read the whole thing. And I did, and it was incredible. Oh, good. Um, And it is called Multiple Man. Um, The author is Matthew Rosenberg, and I don't remember who the artist is. Um, But it was five issues of a time travel plot, Okay. and it is an X-Men story. So it's about a man who, his mutant power is that if he gets hit very hard, he duplicates himself okay and then can like reabsorb these duplicates but he also doesn't have to and then can send them out into the world and they can learn other things and learn skills and languages and stuff and then he can reabsorb them and get all their knowledge sounds like something hermione would do exactly (laughs) and so it actually really reminded me of like harry potter 3 yeah an interesting way of like somebody who's trying to break time yeah um in order to just live a more meaningful life and i think that's what i took from it yeah that it's kind of about this like problem of free will that like he has sent his duplicates out into the world but he doesn't control them right and sometimes they do bad things mm. or get hurt and then he has to reabsorb them and have all these traumatic memories oh, interesting. and so it was a fascinating yeah, story a cool right um and i was like this would work as prose i was gonna say it would work it would be format. a really good novel but yeah. it, but then it was even better um because it was drawn and illustrated yeah. um and so i highly 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 recommend this oh, it cool. is it does require like a very basic knowledge of like what the X-Men are, but I feel like if you've seen the movies, like this, right. that's enough. Yeah. Um, you know that there is a team of people with superpowers yeah. who are hated and feared by society. Yeah. Great. You're good. 
Okay. Um, so I highly recommend this. I kind of want to order it for my shelf at the store just because yeah. I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, and it made me feel a lot of things. Well, it sounds really good. It sounds like it got the fun of a comic book, but at the same time, like with, a deeper... With the, with the meat yeah. of, of literature. Yeah. And that's what I really loved about it. And so I did just want to put the word out there about that series. I thought it was wonderful. Okay. That's wonderful. That's high praise. Yeah. Um, I think that's it. That's it. Okay. is a production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in Thomasville, Georgia. It's produced by me, Annie Jones, and Chris Jensen, and edited by Chris Jensen. If you're interested in purchasing any of the books we've talked about on today's episode, you can do so at bookshelfthomasville.com forward slash shop. Thank you so much to Forlorn Strangers for the use of our theme music. It's called Bottom of the Barrel from their album Forlorn Strangers. You can learn more at forlornstrangers.com or follow them on Instagram at The Rally Club. If you'd like to support us on Patreon and gain access to exclusive bonus content like our monthly secret show on popular opinions, you can check us out on patreon.com slash fromthefrontporch. Or find us at our website, fromthefrontporchpodcast.com, for web-only content and a full back catalog of our show with detailed show notes and links to further reading. This week in the bookshelf, a funny thing happened. I got a piece of mail. Um that was covered in black and white photos of blandly handsome men good it was hilarious that's amazing (laughs) i'll show you i took a picture of it um it was from a listener a podcast listener named Kristen in oregon amazing which also oregon Oregon. (laughs) just i don't understand um but she was so kind and sent me this little care package it had like uh, chocolate bars, a couple of chocolate bars from Oregon. One of them especially was quite good. Um, but I just couldn't get over the thoughtfulness uh-huh. of covering this piece of mail that then traveled the country uh-huh. covered in blandly handsome men. I love that. It was delightful. So thank you, Kristen. You made, you made my week. <laughs> thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. <laughs>